Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I want you to get your Bibles with me today. I'm going to the book of Luke, chapter 8. While this is uh, definitely related to Pentecost, and you will find that in the in the service, it's not necessarily what you would think of a Pentecost message to go to Luke eight. But I want to go to Luke eight today. I have something in my spirit that I want to share with you, and uh, I know full well going in that I am walking a tight rope between what God has given to me for general conference and what God has given to me for MPC and uh, but I come to you today with a a heart a burden a desire to really share with you the word of the Lord amen Luke chapter 8 verse 26 and they arrived at the country of the Gadareans which is over against Galilee and when he went forth to land there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time which had devils long time and he wear no clothes neither abode in any house but in the tombs sound like a messed up man When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him. Oft times it had caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and fetters and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. They besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountains and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and was choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also saw it told them by the means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought 
him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to thy own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Let's love the Lord in this place today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this present moment, this present opportunity. Let your word become rich to us, O God. Let conviction come through the word. Let direction come through the word. Your word is already anointed, but, O God, would you anoint it upon our minds and our hearts. Anoint your word through our lips. Let it do the prescribed thing. And we're going to praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today about delivered when Jesus shows up. Delivered when Jesus shows up. The Lord bless you. You'll be seated. I want to talk to you just for a minute about the power of Jesus. When you begin to follow his life, you find that his ministry is marked by power. His words were powerful. His actions and attitude was powerful. He exhibited power over blindness, power over wind and rain and waves, power over death. Power to turn water into wine. Power to feed 5,000 men at one time plus women and children and 4,000 men and women and ch- plus women and children at one time. He had power. He had power to supply a coin out of the mouth of a fish to pay taxes. About May or uh, April, rather around April 10th, somebody ought to go fishing. 11, 12, 13, 14. But the Lord had power over that situation. We see him repeatedly having power over leprosy, over palsy, over bleeding and hemorrhaging. He had power over unnamed sickness, unnamed devils, power over the grave and power over sin. There's something about the power of Jesus When he shows up, he shows up with power. Can I ask you this morning if you believe that? Do you believe that with all of your heart? Do you believe that with all of your heart when Jesus shows up, power shows up. When Jesus shows up, amen, freedom shows up. Joy shows up when Jesus shows up. Truth shows up when Jesus shows up. Hallelujah. Love shows up when Jesus shows up. Victory comes when Jesus comes. The wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, he shows up when Jesus shows up. Redemption comes when Jesus comes. Salvation comes when Jesus comes. Hope 
comes when Jesus comes. Amen. Conviction comes when Jesus comes. And this morning, I want to tell you, deliverance comes when Jesus shows up. He is power. He is power. Acts tells us in chapter 4 and verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We are living in a time when people are questioning God. We are living in a day where churches are closing by the droves. Where secularism has become the God of the day. Baal has become the worship God of the day. Do you realize that Baal is the same God that they offered their babies to? Let me just stop and say this. Demons don't die. They just change the way they operate. And the God of Baal in the Old Testament is alive and well operating in America today in the form of abortion. Tell me if you've ever seen such maddening, foaming, throthing at the mouth over an issue of killing a person. And that's not in my notes. I better back away from that. Let me get back to what, what I got to get stayed on here today. But we're living in a time where people are questioning God, where people are turning away from truth, where people are turning from the God to the God of Babylon, the God of secularism, amen. And we find that there are many reasons for this. I believe there's multiple reasons for the rise of the demonic activity in our world today, amen. But I want to say the answer for it, the answer for it is very clear. We need Jesus to show up. We need him to show up in our homes. We need him to show up in our schools. We need him to show up in our churches. We need to show him to show up in the halls of Congress. Do you know that right under the nose of this, this move of paganism today, there is revival in, in uh, 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 the world. What, what do you call that place in New York where it's all the nations, the world nations? United Nations, do you know that there is an apostolic revival happening right now? Do you know that there are people right now that are worshiping God in the White House, lifting their hands and calling on Jesus? Amen, right now under the nose. We don't need another political movement. We don't need another uh, 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 law to pass. What we need is Jesus to show up. What we need is Jesus to show up. The world needs Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Your family needs Jesus. Our church needs Jesus. Let's just kind of see the, the chronological events that happened that lead up to our story. We find that Jesus had just delivered his great sermon on the mount and preached that powerful message of the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom on the sermon, what we known as the Sermon on the Mount. From there, he travels around Galilee ministering and being ministered to. It is, it is there we find that in this time, the widow of Nain, her son was raised from the dead in Luke chapter 7. If you begin to look at Luke 8, you will find it opens up with verse 1 that he, it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom. 
And the twelve were with him and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils and uh, Joanna the wife of uh, Herod, steward and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. You will find that Jesus is going around healing their sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, miracles and signs and wonders in ministry and then there were those that were ministering back to him of their substance. <clears throat> Evidently his mother Mary and his family heard about what was going on, so they make their way from a hometown to, to where Jesus is in his crusade or in his tour, if you please, evangelizing around Galilee. In verse 19 it says, And then came to him his mother and his brethren and could not come at him for the press. They wanted to come visit Jesus, but they couldn't get to Jesus for all the people he was laying hands on and praying for and preaching to and ministering to and healing their sick and casting out their devils. And so mom and brothers want to come, but they can't get to him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brother stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, Listen to this, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. I want to tell you if that was mom. How about it, moms? Your son is out doing all kinds of great things and great exploits. He's being used and, and, and there's all kinds of signs and wonders and you go to see him because you want to be proud of him and, and he turns around and he says to you, to you or, or gives word to somebody else to tell you who is my mother and who is my father. My mother and my father are those that hear my words and do it. What is Jesus saying? Is he being disrespectful to his mother? No, he is saying more important than love love for mom, more important than a love for brother, more important than a love for family, more important than a love for a, a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, more important than that is obedience. Obedience is more important than any relationship you have in this place. It's more important about who you date. It's more important than who you are, are with and hanging around with. Obedience, Jesus said, is the most important thing. Love obedience more than you love your family. Whew. That's a hard pill to swallow because he teaches us to love family. Matter of fact, he uses a husband and wife relationship to show his relationship with the church. But yet he says obedience is more important than that. Obedience is more important than that. It's more important that you obey God than you make money. It's more important that you obey God than you have that person that you think you love and you're going to be around with. It's more important to obey God. It's more important to obey God than to have a certain status in life or to have certain feelings. It's important to obey God. When you obey God, you will find that he has a promise waiting for you. 
Obedience is a everlasting precept. God ordained it from the very creation of man when he said don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Obedience was not fabricated to hinder personal pursuit of happiness. Well, if I do that, I ain't going to be happy. If I obey God, I'm not going to be happy. No, but you might be saved. You may not go to hell. Woo! You may, may, may just have a, 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 a promise on the other side of that obedience. You just might have God's provision waiting for you. And do you want the provision that this world gives you? Or do you want the provision that God gives you? Amen. There is provision on the other side of obedience. And if he doesn't do it, amen, you may be like Joseph and stuck in jail for years. But God's got a promise waiting on you if you'll just obey. Obedience was not fabricated so everybody will be compliant. It wasn't, obedience is not here from the word of God to hamper your human rights or deny you of personal expression. I can't express myself because the Lord requires this from me. I can't. Anybody ever met Timothy Gothra? Is there anybody else that is as free to express themselves as he is? I mean, there's no hindrance there, but yet he loves God, lives for God, obeys God. I want to tell you that you can express yourself all you want to, amen, and be a child of God and obey God and have freedom of expression, freedom of personality. He didn't make us all cookie cutters. He just cookie cutter people. He made us to be obedient people. Obedience brings us into proper alignment with God so he can bless us. Obedience brings us into the place of favor and ultimately the presence of God. That's why Paul wrote to the Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to devil. Amen. There is a spirit that has been assigned to you to destroy your mind, to destroy your life. Hear me this morning. I'm not preaching a fantasy or a fairy tale. I'm preaching you truth. There is a spirit that is assigned to you to take you off course, to make sure your family is destroyed. Make sure you don't have a home. Make sure you are living in the tombs. Make sure your life is a mess. Your victory is gone. Your joy is gone. Your peace is gone. Amen. But let me just remind you of awful also this. No spirit has legal right to gain access into your world and into your stuff until you give him access. Again, let me make it very clear. There's a spirit assigned to you to destroy you, trying to attack you. There is a spirit that wants to bring you down. Amen. If you're a child of God, the devil can't stand that. But I also know this, that there are guardian angels by glory that are also assigned to you, that God said, I'll encamp around about you. My angels will encamp around about you so you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Just don't give the devil a place. He's blocked by the word. He's blocked by the blood. The enemy is blocked by your obedience. Don't grant him. Don't allow him the opportunity 
are the occasion. The word give placed in a couple other translations uh, speaks of do not give the devil a foothold. One translation, the NIV says do not give the devil a foothold. The NRSV says do not make room for the devil. The NSB says do not give the devil an opportunity. Why does God despise disobedience? Because disobedience is an outward sign of inward rebellion. I said disobedience is an outward sign of inward rebellion and he tells us in his word that he likens rebellion to witchcraft and stubbornness to idolatry. Disobedience is what drove Jonah into the belly of a fish. Amen. And somewhere along the way he had a revelation. I guess it's better for me to obey God. I said I guess it's better for me to obey God. So Lord I'll go preach to the Ninevites. Amen. And can you imagine that big fish coming up on the side of the sea shore there and hurl him out and flying in midair and when he hits he rolls in the sand and jumps up and he's got a, a, a color of like a, 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 a salmon he's kind of he's kind of pink and his hair's gone eaten away by all of the gastric juices of the fish and he comes out he has no hair he has no eyebrows and he looks kind of weird and he starts preaching anyway I want to tell you obedience is more important than your status. It's more important than what you wear. It's more important than where you go. Obedience is more important than your friends. It's more important than how many people follow you on Facebook. How many people follow you on Instagram and how many follow you on Twitter. Obedience. There's a story in the Bible that really brings this to light. Balak, the king of Moab, hired a false prophet by the name of Balaam to put a curse on Israel. To put a curse on Israel. Every time Balaam opened his mouth to put a curse on Israel, God blessed them. Balaam goes before him and says, I curse you, I curse your children, I curse, I curse your farm, I curse your houses, I curse your car, I curse, 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 curse. And all of a sudden they got a better crop, they got a better car, they got a better home, they're living in a better situation, their relationships are better. I thought I cursed them. And he did it every time trying to bring about the wishes of Balak. And so Balaam, he says, how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? And so Balaam counseled King Balak and said, Israel cannot be cursed unless you can get them to disobey their God. That's how powerful obedience is. So here's what you do. Send your women to infiltrate Israel's camp and bring their idols with them. Have them seduce the men of Israel. Their disobedience then will automatically bring them under a curse. Look at Numbers 25 and verse 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people under the sacrifice of their they called the people under the sacrifices of their gods. And people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. What happened? 
they began to do what God said don't do. They began to disobey where God said, I want you to obey. I want you to follow me. And what happened is that they gave access to the enemy because God removed his favor. God removed his protection hand. I want to tell you with all the love that is within me, this is where we are today in the United States. I believe God is giving us a season for revival. And we had better take advantage of it because there's coming a time that he is going to remove his favor. As a nation, he'll remove his favor. But the people of the God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have, amen, his favor in the middle of all of this if we will truly be obedient. It will truly be obedient. Israel's disobedience opened the door to witchcraft, idolatry, and a radical plague from God came. 24,000 Israelites died because of disobedience. Balaam didn't have to curse them. Balaam didn't have to do that because all they did was open the door. And the enemy came in. And the enemy came in. You know how it was stopped? How the plague was stopped? Who was it? Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron. So the grandson of Aaron found a man and a woman having sexual relationships that God forbid. They had opened the door. They were sleeping together and worshiping the same gods. Sleeping together, worshiping the same God. And God had forbidden that. God said, don't do that. And when you do that, you open the door. Can I just tell you right now, hear me, because I'm headed down a road here today. You can't pray against some things that are calamities in your world and still disobey God. You can't walk down a wall, a road of disobedience uh, uh, and allow spiritual darkness into your world and then say, oh God, help me. Here's how they stopped it. uh, The the grandson of Aaron took a javelin and ran it through this couple as they were engaged in sexual activity. I want to tell you, that R-rated would not be played in a lot of different places, but it was God saying, you have to be radical about stopping disobedience. In this world today, it's not necessarily physical relationships, it's mentality, it's thoughts, it's words that we get out of place. And God says, I want you to shut it down. I can't bless you until you do. I can't bless you until you do. Anytime there's disobedience, it opens the door to the spirit that's assigned to attack you to get into your world. Anytime. Keep that in mind as we think about this man that has a legion of them. Somewhere in his life, he not only opened the door, he kicked the wall down. Come in. Come in, all you spirits. But we find in Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, It came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, listen to this, Let us go over under the other side of the lake. I have a purpose. I have a plan. Just like he said, I must needs go through Samaria to talk to the woman of of, of problems at the well. He said, I want to go. I'm going to leave all these. I'm healing and touching and preaching. And I want to go to one man on the other side of the lake. 
And I'm going to find that one man because he is so bound. He is so troubled. He has so many things in him that he needs deliverance. So let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And what does Jesus do? They get into the boat and he goes to sleep. Y'all got this. And as he was sleeping, a storm of wind came. That's what it's called, a storm of wind. It got to blowing so hard that water was pouring into the boat. Amen. The boat was being filled with water and they said, oh, we are in jeopardy. We are in harm's way. I want to tell you sometimes when you obey God, you're going to find yourself in harm's way. It's not a road of of paved ease and everything's going to be all right. Oh, if I obey God, then all my relationships are going to be great. If I obey God, then my church is going to be great. If I obey God, there's sometimes you're going to find hazard and you're going to find harm's way when Jesus is even with you in the boat. Hallelujah. But he said, I've got to go to the other side. I've got some people to touch. And they said, Master, Master, we perish. <laughs> then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. There was calm, and it blew their mind. And they were so uh, taken back by his commandment of the winds and the water. And so they come to the country of the Gadareans, Luke 8 and 26. They arrived at the country of the Gadareans, which is over against Galilee. And he went forth to the land, and there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. Now to understand the dynamic of the story, you have to also see what is happening historically, and where exactly Jesus is. The country of the Gadarenes was a part of a a region or area known as Decapolis. It was a Roman culture and political outpost on the eastern imperial frontier. It was like to almost the very edge of the Roman Empire. And it was a very strong, strong place with Roman culture and politics. It was populated by many military veterans who had settled down there because they were given the land that they had conquered. It's no accident then when you begin to read the story that it is laced with military imagery. History bears out that the Romans were brutal to the people of this region. As a matter of fact, Josephus the historian records how the Romans massacred many Jewish rebels here. 15,000 perished by the enemy's hands while the number of those that were driven to fling themselves into the Jordan was incalculable. 15,000 the Romans killed and an untold number of those that jumped into the Jordan to try to save themselves. At this time, Josephus says that the Jordan was overflowing its banks and they captured about 2,200 people they led captive and they brought them into this area so they became slaves, military brutality and a political abuse and an oppressive government was upon them. This is the environment that this man lived in. Everywhere he went, his friends had been killed. Some had jumped to their death and now he is living under the thumb of an oppressive Roman government. What is he going to do? He meant somewhere he opens up his heart and do you realize that a legion is not a denom a, a 
demonic name but rather it's a Roman name of Roman military might and, and Roman military number and so he has taken in this same raging spirit this same oppressive spirit this same spirit that wants to tear him and destroy him to the point he's ripping off his clothes he can't live at home anymore he's homeless Oh, he's living not just under an overpass, but he's living in the tombs. He's living in the tombs. How sad and how tragic. Amen. I want to jump to verse 28. And the Bible said when he, caught, when he saw Jesus, the spirit, that the man was possessed by the spirit, he cried out and fell down before him. Mark renders, he worshiped him. And with a loud voice, the spirit began to say, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. When Jesus shows up, devils start taking notice. When Jesus shows up, before he ever does one act, amen, Jesus shows up, the spirits begin to get troubled. Hallelujah. I'm tired of comfortable demons. I'm tired of comfortable demons. I'm tired of comfortable seats. Saints that are just willing to put up with devils and put up with spirits and put up with demons. Amen. Until it becomes a part of them. Well, we're under oppressive government. We're under this oppressive spirit. I don't have any other recourse but to just to let it come in. Let it come in. You know what? Everybody else is griping on Facebook, so I guess I'm going to gripe on Facebook. Everybody else is criticizing and complaining, so I'm going to criticize and complain. When Jesus is standing there and said, listen, I've got something for you, but you've got to let me show up. I'm on my way. I'm coming with your answer. The Bible says, he said, don't torment me. And he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for oft times it had caught him, kept him bound with chains, and he was kept with bound with chains and fetters. And he broke the bands and was driven of the spirit, driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus, don't mess with me. That's what the spirit says. Anything but Jesus. I'll take a brutal government. Don't give me Jesus. Jesus, I don't care if I don't have any clothes. I don't care if I don't have any peace. I don't care if I don't have any hope. I just don't want you. I'll take mystic Eastern religion. I'll take pseudo-spirituality a la Oprah. I'll take secularism a la every major university in the United States. Every major media universe, every major media outlet in the United States is being driven not by news but by secularism. Hear you, Pastor, today. Hallelujah. It's a spirit. If you don't think, then why? Why all the anger? Why all the fighting? Why all the bickering? Amen. It's no longer just simply you have an idea, I have an idea, we'll discuss it. Is that you're a bad person because of this or you're an evil person because of this? I want to tell you there is a working within our area because America has said, I'll just do our own thing. We'll live however we want to and we've given access to the enemy to come in but let the church rise and say, I'm on board with Jesus. I'm going to ride with Jesus. It 
may not be popular. It may not be fancy. It may not be pretty. They may not like it, but Jesus is the one I'm looking for. Let me, let me show you Mark's, part of Mark's rendition of this story. He's looking at it from a different standpoint as Luke is looking at it from another. Mark's looking from a, just a common guy. Luke's looking at it from a doctor. Look at this. Mark 5, as he wrote on the inspiration of God, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, No, not with chains, because that he had often, that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And listen to this. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains crying and cutting himself with stones. First of all, anybody that lives among the tombs has got problems. Anybody that lives among the tombs that speaks of darkness, oppression, death, got problems. But I want to talk to you about three different things that could not change this man. Three different things that could not change this man. Number one, an oppressive government could not change him. It doesn't matter how many laws you legislate in the government or how they act or what they do, locally, statewide, nationally, you can't legislate deliverance. You can't oppressively push down deliverance. It's just not going to happen. Amen. No government program, no government counseling. I'm not against counseling, but I want to tell you, a person that has allowed the enemy to come into their life and are oppressed by the enemy, the government is not going to help the guy. Rome was powerless to help him. Amen. If they could, they probably would have killed him. But we find that a controlling government, false government, cannot help the guy. The second thing I want to show you that did not help him is the Bible said that always night and day he was in the mountains in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Here's something I believe our society is facing today so drastically is that your self-image and your self-worth will not deliver you. Whatever you call yourself, whatever you think yourself to be, if you hate yourself, that's what this guy's doing. He's hating himself. He doesn't like who he is. And you may show on the outside, I'm preaching to the young people today and the old one but you young people hear me because we've even had it in past in this church those that have cut themselves because they didn't like who they were they didn't like what was going on in their life amen I want to tell you you can change your identity you can try your best to make yourself feel better about yourself and be all in on making self happy but in the end you're still bound don't like who I am. Why is it that there's over 43% suicide rate in the transgender world? Somebody wake up today. Somebody wake up today. MPC, let's wake up because the same spirit is at work. You don't, you're really not who you are. You shouldn't be content with who you are. You don't like where you are. I want to tell you, just cut yourself. Be negative about your place. Be negative about your home. Be negative about your parents. Be negative about what has happened to you in your life. Be negative about what's going on in your church world. Be negative about where you are in school. I'm preaching under the Holy Ghost right now. Amen.
amen. Hear this, Pastor. What it is is that I don't like who I am, but what you're really saying is, oh, God, deliver me. Because you can take that with you wherever you go. You can take that spirit to another school. You can take it to another house. You can take it to another home. Amen. You can take it to another job because it's in your heart. A new identity did not deliver him. It did not set him free. I'm going to show you the third one. And I want to, I want to walk. And I want to walk very carefully. I preach from this passage many times. How that chains and fetters couldn't hold him. I preached. He was chained, but not changed. You like that? The Bible tells about how the people put chains on him, how the people put fetters on him, and he broke them. So he's cutting himself. He's on an oppressive government, and now they're putting chains on him. Here's what I want to tell you today. Listen very closely. Church standards, church laws, are powerless to deliver you. Church standards, church laws are powerless to set you free. What I felt in my spirit over the last few days, I felt the Lord dealing with me and drawing on my whole heart to come to you to tell you this. I watch as some, you think I don't watch I watch, I see stuff, and I feel stuff in the Holy Ghost. I've walked by some of you, and the Holy Ghost speak to me about you. I ain't going to tell you what the Holy Ghost said because he didn't say talk to you. You, you, you just don't know. Some of you would be scared if you knew what I knew about you. I'm not trying to just sensationalize. I'm just, just trying to tell you. At times... As a pastor, I just won't preach on the issue. Hymn line's getting too low. I'm going to preach on it. You got stuff putting on your body you shouldn't be putting on your body. Preach on it. We are a, a church that believes in modesty. We are a church that believes in following standards. We are a church that believes that you ought to be holy as he is holy and that it is an outcry of salvation. It is a byproduct of grace not to get grace. I don't do the things that I do to be saved, but I do them because I am saved. Somebody say amen. I could preach today because there are things that I see as pastor. There are things I, I okay, some of y'all watching, I'm preaching to the young people, and if this hits you adults, so be it. You're watching things that you know your parents do not approve. You're watching things that you know you should not be watching. And what you've done is that you've done, open the door and given access to the enemy to come in. And you're wondering why you, I'm preaching now to you in the Holy Ghost. And you're wondering why you're frustrated. And you're wondering why you can't get along with your siblings. And you're wondering why you can't get along with your parents. And you're wondering why. It's because you have decided that you're going to step aside and do something that is illegal. Yeah. 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 
And it doesn't matter how hard pastor preaches. It doesn't matter how hard the parents tell you. It doesn't matter how many laws they write down and what you got to do and when you got to do it. And it doesn't matter. I preached until I've been blue in the face. You should not date unsaved people. And yet people still date unsaved people. But I've come to the realization, Pastor Dylan, is that the law is powerless to help you. Are you going to quit preaching it? Oh, absolutely not. I want to preach what the Lord has in his word. Y'all know me. I have preached holiness. Amen. I got a 16-part lesson. I preach about holiness. And we'll go through it again in a little while. We talk about everything that we possibly can. I believe if I don't have Bible for it, I should leave it alone. But I'm coming to the realization that I can preach until I'm blue in the face. And some people will never, never, never change. I preach about church faithfulness, being on time with God, loving God. Preach about the blessing of tithes. Preach about the blessing of honoring your church. Preach about the blessing of being a part of a church. Amen. To where you, you, you can get what you need from God. Guidelines are essential. Standards are essential. Modesty is essential. Hemlines are essential. What you wear, look like a man, look like a woman. If you're a man, look like a man. If you're a woman, look like a woman. That's Bible. That's not Pentecostal theology. It's Bible teaching, okay? Amen. And I believe that we need to be very careful about this. I think there are some things that, again, we have preached over the years that have have had their time. Amen. If you don't think so, just... Just follow our next podcast. David and I are going to talk about traditions. We're going to talk about how that you got the young people had this tradition and you got the old folks that have this tradition. I want to tell you, you can make a line in the sand and folks will step right over it. You'll tell them, don't do this. And, and they'll, how many know this with your kids? Come on, don't touch that. And they touch that. Hallelujah. We can say it until we're blue in the face. Why? Because we stand there and know the warning. Amen. You're headed in the wrong way. Can I tell some of you, God's got a plan for your destiny. You're going to be a preacher's wife someday. You're going to be a preacher someday. You may be a missionary or missionary's wife someday. Amen. You need to guard where you are because you ought not be walking in the tombs of darkness and despair and fear and doubt and negativity. See, I already know that some of y'all, I told y'all I know what I know. Some of y'all already had, had got feelings about pastor. Some are not preaching straight enough. Some are preaching too straight. So I'm just going to preach what the Lord gives me, and I'll be accountable to him. Amen. But the heart of the matter is that uh, having, having your identity change doesn't change you. It doesn't change you. Breaking God's laws, breaking things that we know. John, God's got his hand on you, young man. He wants you to do great things. You don't have time to help the devil keep you from that. You need to make sure that everywhere you go, everything you do, all your friends ought to become to where if they're drawing you away from God, you leave them. If they keep you out of the house of God, you leave them. If they try to kill your passion for what God has for you, you say, listen, my future's way too important. It's not about this momentary thing about being liked. Oh, they ain't going to like me. So what? I'm preaching about laws. 
The law never saved anybody. It leads us to salvation, but it never saved anybody. But when I watch and I see young people get cold in the Lord, carnal, 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 it leads me to my face and I start praying. Because some of y'all were on fire for God just a few days ago and now you're carnal and cold. I could preach a law message and it wouldn't stop you. But what I'm going to preach is it's time for Jesus to show up in your life. The only thing that's going to bring you through is Jesus showing up in your life. The only thing that's going to help deliver you is Jesus to step on the shore of your world. Amen. You can follow it all the way through and you will find people that tried their best to live holy, live godly, wind up losing without God. Amen. Because somewhere they didn't, they didn't want Jesus to stay on their shore. They tried to kick him out of their world, out of their life and keep on walking in that. It doesn't work. Amen. Change will break off. Laws will break off. But Jesus came not to put a chain on you. Jesus came not to put a knife in your hand to cut you. He came to say, be free. Be delivered. Be set free from that temptation. Be free from pornography. Be free. Be free from worldly friends. Be free from the devil that wants to destroy you. Be free. If you got Jesus, John, I picked on you. Let me have you some more. Come here. If you got a law that says, don't walk past that point over there, you just keep on walking. Well, at this point, I don't matter. Nobody sees me. Nobody's watching me. I'll hang out. I'll go here. Whoo. You really think you ought to kiss on that girl? You're more valuable than that. You're walking with the legislation. Your loving uncle and aunt talk to you. Hey, John, see that line over there? Don't cross it. It's a law. Why is it we stop at the law and we look at it and we go on? Hmm. Okay. Somewhere over here, oh, John meets Jesus. John gets a Holy Ghost explosion. The power of God falls on him. All of a sudden, he's no longer just John Cobb. He's John Cobb Jesus. He's seeing things through Jesus' eyes. He's feeling things through Jesus' eyes. That oppression is gone. That not a slave to Hulu anymore. Not a slave to, to Netflix anymore. Not a slave. Not a slave. Not a slave. We want to fit in. Not a slave. It doesn't matter what my identity is because I'm John called Jesus. So when I walk up to that place that I see that is a dividing line, I would say, whoop, I know who I am. 
I'm John Cobb Jesus, and I am set free from that. It doesn't have any chains on me, so therefore I'm going to go. And without chains and without being even told, there are things that will step up into your life without even having to be preached to, without ever having to be talked to. There's a conviction about being with Jesus. Jesus says, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You may be saying, I wish pastor would just preach more law. I'll preach what law the Lord lays upon us through the word. And I believe in preaching standards and I believe in preaching principles. You know that. But I'm come to the place that the law is powerless to deliver you. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. What did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The case and the issue is that do we believe in Jesus' Holy Ghost power? Do we still believe in Jesus' Holy Ghost power? Do we still believe in Jesus' Holy Ghost power? Hmm. I said, do you believe in Holy Ghost power? Or this is just a side part of what we have. 80% of the, of the so-called assemblies of God now no longer believe in speaking in tongues. Do we believe in the power? We better get a hold of this, amen, and be jolted in this hand and hand and shaken to our core. Amen. Oh, we shouldn't do that. Oh, God, if it takes shaking me, rolling in the floor, whatever. God, I want your power. I'm not worried about how pretty I look. I'm not worried about this and that. I want your power. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Set you free. Set you free. And then what's so exciting is that after he was delivered and after the spirit came out, there's a whole message on the hog story and running down. That's a whole message on that, but I'm not going to even take time for that. But listen, when he was set free, what did he do? He went back home. There was healing in his family. He went back home clothed and in his right mind. Clothed and in his, when you've been to Jesus, all of a sudden you see things in the right perspective. All of a sudden you see things in the right perspective and the right way. Stand with me, please. Here's the issue I think some of us face is that we have been so conditioned to follow law Well, preacher didn't preach against it, so I guess it's all right. Or, that's not what our church believes. What about you and Jesus? What's Jesus talking to you? What is the power of the Spirit to just simply say, Oh, God, yeah, I feel you right here. Not my brother, not my sister is the issue. Me, 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 Jesus, I need you. I need your power. I need the conviction of God to fall upon me. Praise be to God. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. 
power from on high. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The spirit of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. We've learned that this past few Tuesdays. Do you have the Holy Ghost power inside of you? Do you has, has Jesus rocked your world to the point where you have prayed through and you have been in his presence and he begins to talk to you about freedom? Real freedom doesn't come with your choice to do your own thing, but real freedom comes with liberty of the Holy Spirit. Freedom. I'm free. Freedom. Come on, lift your hands right now. Let's ask Jesus to come in. Let's ask Jesus in his presence. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come in. The Holy Spirit, just come in. Lord, we need your power. We need your anointing. Lord, we need your power today. We need your power today. Hallelujah. Bring about, Lord Jesus, liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Somebody ought to should have been to this altar. Right now, I preach to a bunch of you that should have already been in this altar, crying out to God and say, Oh, Lord, touch me, Jesus. Touch me, Jesus. Touch me, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Get into the altar right now. Do you want deliverance? Get to the altar. Run, 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 run. Touch him. Let him touch you. Let him set you free. Are you dealing with worry? Why don't you let him show up on your shore? Amen. Are you dealing with fear? Why don't you let him come into your world right now? I believe in the power of deliverance, the power of freedom, the power to be set free right now. Hallelujah. Let there be, dear God, a deliverance in this house. Show up, Jesus. Show up, Jesus. Come into this place. Hallelujah! We need your power. We need your power. We need, Lord, not just a, a moment to celebrate Pentecost, but we need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Fall upon us today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I want to be free. I want to be free. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want, to, I, want, I want to talk to everybody under the age of 21 right now. Please look at me. Everybody under the age of 21, I want you to listen to me. This church was birthed in a revival, partly connected to a teenager who prayed. To a teenager who prayed. When the Holy Ghost fell in Topeka, Kansas, it was a bunch of school students who got hungry for God. You're living in an oppressive government. Time, spiritually, is oppressive. You want to change that? Then you've got to radically say, Lord, I want you. I want you. I'm going to seek your face. Don't wait for Brother Dylan to call a prayer meeting. You get in a prayer meeting. Don't wait for your mom and dad to say, hey, what are you doing, you know? I'm going to the house of the Lord. I got to go pray. I'm going to find out the power.
power of God. I want to see this power in demonstration. I want to see him working in my life. I want to see him. I want to know his power. Hallelujah. Not by my mind nor my, my strength, but by your spirit, Lord. By your power. Lord, let it fall right now. Would you let your power fall in this place? Would you let conviction fall in this place? Would you let truth come into this place? Quicken us today. Quicken us by your spirit. Quicken us, oh God. Inhabit us, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus. Teach us all things. Show us all things. Lead us into all truth. Hallelujah. Impart your love in us, oh Spirit of the living God. Let us see the deep things of God. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.